Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is our second episode in our Games of the Year discussion. Uh, today we are going to be talking about artistic categories, so best graphics and, and stuff like that. Joining me is Joel. I'm feeling super artsy today. You should. You should. Alan? I think video games are art. What? Yeah. Oh my Life God. Life is Strange is not. Sorry. Life is Strange is art. No. As I sit here sipping from my glass with my smoking jacket and pipe. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. And Alan. <laughs> or Alan. Brian. Yeah, I said Alan. Again, too. Oh my god. He's here twice. Baby, let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad games that art can be. And that didn't come together. Right We're talking about art. So... Obviously, this is what you can expect from this episode. You're going to enjoy it. On with the show. All right, guys. So we are talking about artistic game or not artistic games, but the artistic parts of games, visuals, voice acting, music, stuff like that. Let's let's start with one of the most important, and that is story best story in a video game Joel take it away all right um okay so I feel like there are several games in this category that could win uh for varying reasons I I actually really struggled with this one for two different games one of which is The Witcher 3 which is very good about telling stories as it's happening um which I think is probably one of the harder pieces of storytelling to do um, to make you feel immersed in a story every every moment of it, it, it's pretty impressive what the guys over in Poland were able to do with Witcher 3. However, there was a small adventure game that came out this year that was called Life is Strange that we talk about really? more about on it? this podcast than any other podcast on the internet. <laughs> uh, and rightfully so, because it has an amazing, amazing story that is super heartfelt. It's... Um, yeah, I just yeah we I've we've talked about it a lot. Alan and Jonathan have talked about it for hours. Yep. Um, I will just say I concur with everything that they say. They probably made a lot of wrong decisions, which I'll find about out yep. about when I yep. uh, <laughs> finish the game. But uh, needless to say, I have not felt this strongly for characters since Walking Dead season one, and I think this game has taken a lot of what worked in The Walking Dead and created a story though that was. Even more set in reality that just brought up the tough parts about growing up. Yep. And it's a, it's a, it, I mean, as and serial says, killing. Yeah, that yeah. too. Uh, and photography. Yeah, but hey, life time is travel. strange. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Alan, should I even ask you what we're going to vote for here? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to throw my hat into this, um, life is strange. I don't. No, I don't know. Like uh, that, bad joke. Bad joke. Um, no, yeah. I mean, to to make to make that joke after I, I've been able to shut up about it. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, I think uh, like, like I said before, it kind of came as a surprise. Um, something I, I kind of wasn't expecting from an episodic game, and and I think what makes it work is, you know, despite having a, a supernatural and fantastical kind of element to drive it forward uh there's a lot of stuff in there that we all can relate to i mean you know max comes home again and things are different and 
you know, the, the friend that we said that we'd be together forever, you know, that's not how life worked out. And so you come back and, and she's changed, you've changed. And, and like all of this, is, you know, all of the shit kind of going on around them, the disappearance of Rachel Amber, um, you know, the kids bullying Kate and just like all this, like adolescent high school kind of crap we go through, you know, we've all experienced that. And I think it's, it makes it a little bit more personal than, um, any other game on this list. Sure. Yep. Brian. Uh, so before last month, I would have said, uh, Batman Arkham Knight. Um, because I absolutely adore that story. And I know a lot of people had a lot of issues with the fact that, um, they, you know, the Arkham Knight's identity and that they thought it was, uh, kind of, uh, kind of like snowballed in in the fact that, uh, you know, he was never mentioned in other parts of the series, and, or Jason Todd, and that that's kind of what, you know, the, through the way that the, the story came together, that they, it was left as like no other option. Um, and I think it was kind of silly that it was made a uh, uh, mystery anyway, um, but I found um, enjoyment in that uh, because of the fact that I knew Batman's history and I knew the very few options that it could be, and that was the only one that ever made sense. Sure. Um, so watching, knowing what the end result was going to be and then watching it get to the end, end result, I found to be a very satisfying experience. Um, on top of that, all the stuff with the Scarecrow, um, all of that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I totally dig that game. Um, it loses to The Witcher 3. Um, because The Witcher 3, story-wise, takes its time. It is not in a hurry to get anywhere, and that is for the betterment. Uh, and that is for that is for its betterment. Um, it takes its time uh, by allowing you to explore the world and to experience all of the other stories that are going on, while still having to worry about Siri and the Wild Hunt. Um, it, it's it's it was so pleasant to know that even though it was a big deal that I that part of the game was investigating to find out where she was and in investigating you were drawn into everything else and you were kind of brought to these different places and and you're a witcher so you show up in a town and people are like hey there's a monster here can you take care of it and mm -hmm. it's that's kind of your job and so even though you know the freaking emperor has assigned you this task it's like listen dude you gotta wait I have to go kill this thing why because people are paying me money and because that's kind of what I do it's it's really all I have left in this world. Right. And I, I think in taking its time, in not showing its hand up front, and being very deliberate about every single step it took, um, that that made it to be a, just such a fantastic, fantastic bit of storytelling. Absolutely. I, I'm going to be... I, I'm actually going to be shocking here, hopefully, to some of you. Um... I didn't vote for The Witcher 3 or Life is Strange in this category. <gasps> what did you do? I voted well, I don't for... Think you're allowed for I don't think you're allowed to vote for both. <laughs> I voted for both. No, I did not. I actually voted for The Beginner's Guide here. Okay. Um, and I voted for that because uh, several different things. Um, one is the fact that story is all that The Beginner's Guide has. Um, even 
with as simple as most of the gameplay is in Life is Strange, there's still some puzzles and there's still kind of, you know, moving around and, and doing all this other stuff. Um, there's the time travel mechanic and all that kind of stuff. But while that's all great, with the beginner's guide, it lives and dies just on the story alone. And it's a, a testament to Davy Reedon's writing and also his voice acting, because uh, the guy that developed the game also did all of the voice acting for it, um, how well it all comes across. Um, and it, it's a game that um, uses a... a uh, not a false narrative, but a... Basically, a, a narrator that lies, um, and it it betrayed me more than any other game has in a long time. Where you're you're really kind of invested in the game, and, and you're believing what the person says, and then you kind of realize that it's all untrue. And it's while Life is Strange tells a fantastic story, and is I, I voted for it for best story driven game. Um. The, the way that Beginner's Guide goes about telling its story and the type of story it tells is really completely different than anything else that I've played in a video game, except for probably the Stanley Parable. Uh, while, the life, while Life is Strange is very good, it's still in a lot of ways the same type of story that you would you know, experience, you know, it has a, it has a beginning, middle and end. It has multiple characters interacting and stuff like that. With Beginner's Guide, it's just one person kind of talking to you and, and explaining these tiny little games built by somebody else uh, that you're, you're playing through. And it's, it's really uh, amazing. And, and just the, in a lot of ways, the sheer novelness of it and the, the sheer fact that it even works um, is flabbergasting. Uh, but I, I have to vote for the beginner's guide just because it, how kind of deep it cuts in a lot of ways. It didn't let, make me cry like Life is Strange did, but it's it was a phenomenal experience, and I, I highly recommend anybody that's interested in, in narratives and video games uh, to to give it a shot. Cool. So that's that is my <clears throat> pick for best story and uh, in video games. Um, so. Um, that that didn't win though, um, as I, I I wasn't really surprised that it wouldn't. Uh, but uh, the number two game uh, is something that I I really want to play, and that is Undertale. So I still need to play that. Uh, I know Jordan's played it, and he absolutely loved it. Um, but we I haven't gotten around to it. Number two actually surprised me. I didn't think this was going to be here. Um, that is Life is Strange. Hey, huh. I'll take it. Um, and number three, I you know I, I can't be more than happy that it's here because of what it is, but um, I, I didn't vote for it, and that is The Witcher Three, best story of 2015, as said by DarkStation.com. <laughs> so uh, our next category is best voice acting. This was a good category. This is a good year for voice acting. Yes, yeah, seriously. It's well, the best thing about it is that. Um, Nolan North and Troy Baker have not been in the limelight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's... That's right. <laughs> it's, it's let everybody else actually be voice actors. Yeah. let's let everyone else have a chance now. Um, 
So, uh, Joel, you got a, a pick for yeah, this one? Yeah, without sounding like a broken record, since I just talked about Life is Strange, I did pick uh, Ash- Ashley Birch as Chloe. Uh, Chloe is one of the most memorable characters um, in a video game that I've played in a long time. And, uh, yeah, I would say um, Ashley Birch's performance was phenomenal and super memorable and uh, one of the reasons why that game is so good. So this was an easy pick for me. Nice. Alan? Um, I, I really do want to say that Mark Hamill you know, did a fantastic job with the Joker, as he always does. Um, I remember thinking when Arkham Asylum came out, and it's like, how, how are they going to translate you know, Mark Hamill's clown prince of crime to a sort of like a world where it would be more kind of in line with like Heath Ledger Joker um, but he made it work and the role the Joker plays in Arkham Knight lets him go to such amazing places and again that final that final moment with him um, not just like him kind of going through you know the warped asylum but just that final, final moment with him, where he's in the, where he's in the cell, and it's being taken away, and he just like he he pines for Batman, was amazing, yeah, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. But I am gonna have to go with Ashley Birch. I know that doesn't come as a surprise to people, but um, she is fifty percent of what made Life is Strange special. Absolutely. Um, and her performance is so heartfelt and you know it, it's easy for us to kind of laugh at the fact that she you know says hella a lot but not only do you get a great performance out of her but also when that story takes a turn and she takes a turn and mm-hmm. we get a glimpse of kind of like what if and if that is not the most heartbreaking scene Yes. In that entire game. Absolutely. And a lot of that is because of her. Um, and it's 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 terrible, but it's also amazing. I mean, like, the closest analog I can think of something on that level would be um, Mary's final monologue at the end of Silent Hill 2 when she's reading the full letter. Hmm. Um, just... Yeah, it it goes places. She goes places, and I really hope that she gets more opportunities because she did a fantastic job. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, look, I, I like Ashley Birch. She did Tiny Tina. I have no problem with Tiny Tina. I think she's <laughs> that's right. Fun. That's right. Yeah, look how <laughs> exactly. I, no problem with Ashley Birch. I there is no one who had more fun voicing a role this year than Mark Hamill. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Arkham Knight was fantastic in the fact that it let the Joker absolutely be free uh, because he got to... Con- the best the best vocal performance of Arkham City were the Joker's voicemails to Batman. Yes. When he had <laughs> a, yeah. a straight-on... Like I get to talk to my best friend. <laughs> moment. It's it's and kind of like when they got done with Arkham City, they were like, okay, we really liked this. Yeah, how can we how let can the Joker just talk to Batman at all times? Especially since he's dead. Yeah. We need to kind of keep this going. 
Yep. And mm-hmm. they found not only the most fantastic conceit for a you didn't hear he was going to be in this game, Mark Hamill. <laughs> for him to be in this game and right. for the Joker to exist with bunny rabbit ears again than for him to spend the entire game with his best friend yep. doing what he does best and that's like Stadler and Waldorfing it the entire time it, it was absolutely when, fantastic when you walk out of the Riddler's arena for the first time and, or, or the second time and you know after dealing with some stuff with Catwoman and to have him go you know I recently talked to Talia in hell. And she seems okay with this pairing that you're doing with Catwoman. It's cool. She said it was alright. Like, for him to be able to make, not only make those jokes, but to take those digs at Batman, who can't do anything because he's he is quite literally a figment of Batman's imagination that has been kind of driven to the other side by a, by, uh, a a mixture of Joker blood and fear gas. (laughs) That for that to exist within Batman while he is doing everything else, and for Batman to not be able to just punch the living hell out of the Joker every time he opens his mouth is fantastic. It is. Uh, It absolutely is. When I think of that game, I think of that, of him just being there. Yes. You're thinking of the Joker too? Uh, he should be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He is too. But yeah, no. I I don't think any, I don't think anybody had more fun or did a better job this year than than Mark. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I th- this year was really a struggle for me in in picking these two, uh, because I mean it's it's those two voice actors, um, and and nobody else came close to them in my mind. They, Ashley Birch and Mark Hamill did a fantastic job, and it. I feel like it's no exaggeration to to say that this version of the Joker is a. It, I don't remember if I've already said it or if I'm going to say it in the future, um, but one of those is true. This is like the performance of a lifetime for Mark Hamill and the Joker. It is phenomenal. It is so so good. Mm-hmm. But I made bad choices for Chloe. I made awful choices that I still think about because of who Ashley Birch was able to infuse Chloe with. Like, her character was just fantastic. And I, like, I, I did things that I regret in that game for that character because of Ashley Birch and so I, I can't give it to anybody else but Ashley Birch so yep. she wins for me yep. uh, so so our runners up for uh, for best voice acting is actually a three way tie of Camilla uh, Luddington who's the voice of Laura Croft uh, Doug Cockle who's the voice of Geralt um, from The Witcher and uh, Nathan Fillion in no specific role, um, just because he was in a couple of different things. And I literally on the the survey put Nathan Fillion as Nathan Fillion in the multiple games that Nathan Fillion was in this year. Was he, uh, was he in something else other than Halo? Uh, he he was in Destiny 
Um, oh yeah. Apparently, right. Right. so he's Cade in Destiny. Yeah, I know uh, he was Hunter. he was in the original version of Destiny, but apparently he got a lot more liberty in his character. In yeah, the, he actually got to talk the and new do one. stuff in this one. Well, that helps. That yeah. helps yeah. when you're trying to give a great performance. It, it does. does. And it is it is pure Nathan Fillion. Right, yeah. and and that's why I didn't specify a character because Nathan Fillion is great at being Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So th- those are the runners up, and our winner for best voice actor is is the best outcome that I think we could possibly have for best voice acting, and that is a tie between tie. Ashley Birch and Mark Hamill. Oh, that works. Yeah, okay. that works. Okay, yeah. totally okay with that. So, Absolutely. So yeah. So there you go. Uh, best voice acting. Now, Brian, uh, you have to, to leave, so thank you so yes. much for joining us. You have a you, good night, sir. And uh, we've got three more categories to go. Uh, right. So let's move on with best music of 2015. I'm really sounding like a broken record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's not just me anymore. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, best music. Um, I did not think this was the strongest year for your music and video games. I sure. did not have much that was memorable, but I think the soundtrack to Life is Strange uh, could not be more perfect for what that game is oh, yeah. uh, and for what the character of Chloe is and her like her friends and stuff. I think it's great. Um, I've never heard any of this music before um, playing this game, but I actually really liked it, and I think it's actually good music. And it fits uh, the story of Life is Strange really well. So, um, I, you know, you said earlier uh, that uh, Ashley Birch Allen was fifty uh, percent of the game. I would say the music was a good twenty-five percent of it yes. for me. I think it it is such a nice beat um, for yeah. the, the the whole world of Life is Strange. That um, I'm just going to stop talking about Life is Strange <laughs> now. Uh, yeah, yeah no, there 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 are scenes. Um, in that game that are powerful on their own mm-hmm. but um, and the name escapes me but the person who was in charge of the soundtrack like really found stuff to just drive that stuff even deeper like the the music that's playing when it starts snowing in episode one or you know the the music that's played when you're gonna go see Chloe in the alternate timeline the mm-hmm. music that plays um God, just in the opening, the the main menu. I mean, you know, yeah. Music, to me, music is is a, is often a character, and they're just as it's just as important to a video game um, or a movie as the actors, the story, um, and like I can make the case for another game. I'm here, Rebel Galaxy. I mean, of course you're gonna have like twangy road trucker you know kind of music you know sons of anarchy style mm-hmm. kind of music for when you're you know you're flying a frigate and you're blasting other frigates and smaller spaceships and stuff like that but the music complements the situations and stuff that you see and do in life and strange so much that it gets it can be painful it can be hard it's it's it could be great um, it just it adds so much life to a game where there is already a lot of life in it. Yeah. And if I, you know, that soundtrack's on Spotify, and I've listened to it tons and tons of times, and I'm excited that the retail 
edition that they're putting out is going to have uh, uh, the soundtrack with it. Oh, it will? I didn't realize that. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, it totally will. Yeah. And it's going to be all the stuff, so both the licensed stuff and the um, incidental score. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it adds so much to it. So much to it. It does. It, it does. I, I don't think it's, it's selling it, um, or I don't think it's overselling it at all to, like, if Chloe's character hadn't been voice acted as well and the soundtrack wasn't as good like this this game just wouldn't be at all what it is right yes um, saying that I I once again didn't vote for Life is Strange here um, uh, this <laughs> this was another one that was a huge toss up for me um, and the, the other one being Ori in the Blind Forest uh, which you know that that doesn't have the the fantastic indie soundtrack it's got a you know more orchestral one and i would have voted for life is strange had i not played uh ori in the blind forest a couple of weeks ago after i got my mm-hmm. xbox one because uh, the version i got came with uh ori in the blind forest i did not oh, buy it a second time this mm-hmm. one was just given to me so you know <laughs> it's that, that. anyway um so I, I played it some and i i just completely forgotten how wonderful and majestic and just almost kind of Disney-esque in some ways that soundtrack is. It's it's so good. And that is, uh, of all the video game soundtracks that have come out this year, Life is Strange and Ori are the only two that I have, I have listened to outside of the game. But uh, Ori and the Blind Forest is, it's just, it's so good. It's, it's light and airy and... It's uh, it's it's just great. Um, like I mean, I guess probably Disney is probably the, the closest kind of um, thing to to put it up against. It's it's mm-hmm. so good. Um, so that was that was my pick for best music, um, and um, this this one actually had a four way tie. Um, wow. which I, I thought was pretty great. And the fact that I'm naming these means that each of these games got multiple votes. Um, but um, our, our winners for Best Music of 2015 is Star Wars Battlefront, Life is Strange, Ori in the Blind Forest, and Crypt of the Necrodancer. I'm actually kind of surprised to hear Battlefront. Yeah. Um, I mean, the sounds it, do sound very Star Warsy, but yeah, that don't know. Well, but I mean, but looking I, at it, looking at it like musically, for music, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to. I was like, I yeah. don't know where they got the best music. Hmm. I mean, you know, Star Wars music is good, right? But, you know, well, we did. Didn't we get rid of best sound? Um, like two years ago, I think yeah, we used to so have best sound. I okay. feel like that's where maybe people thought, ah. I, sure. I mean, they did do a good sure. job making that game feel like Star Wars, so... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right, well, now on to, to graphics. Uh, we'll, we'll go with technical graphics here. So, Joel, you want to... Oh, we're going technical, so that definitely means I can skip over the game I've talked about for, like, four straight categories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that feels good. All right. Alan, um... if you voted for Life is Strange for best technical <laughs> graphics, I'm going to slap you through the internet. <laughs> Don't look at your don't look at the results sheet. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, this is tough because there's a game that I think looks better than Rise of the Tomb Raider, and that is the Order 1886. Mm. But I think, unfortunately, for that game, I didn't enjoy it at all. 
Sure. Uh, and so it was really hard for me to want to vote for it. So I stuck with Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I think is um, just as, if not uh, more, of a gorgeous game. I think, technically speaking, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, I, I've mentioned before, um, this is a almost perfect game um, from gameplay to graphics. This is this is except for that weird disappearing though. mountain thing. Yes, there is a disappearing <laughs> mountain. Um, hey, but, Shambhala magic. Exactly. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to like compensate for that. True. But the wilderness and the characters and just the world of Rise of the Tomb Raider is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I there were so many times where I would just stop and then pan the camera around and just like take it all in. I think that game is gorgeous. Um, I cannot wait to see how it ends up starting to look on PC uh, when people start pushing that even harder than the Xbox One. I'll let you know. I, I can't <laughs> wait. I, can't wait. Uh, I'm, I, I know you're going to pick it up, but uh, at least for a console game, it's gorgeous. Um, and technically speaking, it's probably one of the best looking games I've ever played. Sure. Sure. Alan? Got to be Battlefront. Hmm. Um, I, and I say and I say that so... <clears throat> So, um, matter-of-factly, because uh, when you look at video games, you know, Star Wars has always had, you know, a game on practically every platform, from the Atari to now. um, You know, there's always been a Star Wars game, and each console has allowed, uh, you know, a Star Wars game to to look the best it, it can be. But this really is the best looking Star Wars game ever made. Um, it's one of the best technical, technically looking games because every every prop in that game, whether it's Han Solo's DL-44 to an AT-AT to a TIE Fighter um, looks like DICE was basically given free reign to go into the Lucasfilm archives. They scan everything. Everything in there looks like it is so well constructed, looks lifelike. I mean, one of the best shots in that game when you're playing uh, Fighter Squadron, you know, you choose whether or not you want an X-Wing or an A-Wing or you know, TIE Fighter or TIE Interceptor, it's when you play it on the Imperial side and you choose just a regular TIE Fighter, to see that kind of camera angle kind of swoop close to it, like get real close as it's flying by, like you see details on that thing that you don't even see in the movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're seeing the pan you're 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 seeing everything that makes that ship exist. Like you're seeing all the things that connect the wings together. You're seeing the cockpit, you're seeing the engines, you're seeing, you know, the 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 laser ports or I mean you're seeing everything. And the cool thing about that is Nothing looks like a plastic out-of-the-box toy. Everything has been weathered. Everything looks like it belongs in that universe. Yeah. You know, it belongs in that stage. Like, Sullust is one of the most gorgeous-looking planets um, I've ever seen in a Star Wars game. And it just looks absolute hell to be in there. I mean, the, the you know, just the the obsidian surface of the volcanic planet to the spouts of lava coming up while you're trying to, you know, blast, you know, the other team. I mean, it, it is amazing. It is amazing what DICE has, has been able to do. And it, yeah, they, 
they've got that look down. And, you know, it's it's so easy for them to just put that stuff, um, give it a nice little shine and be done with it. But the fact that they took the time to make that stuff look so lived in and that it belongs there is just absolutely amazing work on their part. Nice. Yep. So now so, life is strange. Technically, <laughs> uh, there. <laughs> so well, yeah. If you're saying not just technical graphics, but technically the graphics in Life is Strange are, you know, right. they're the most they're life. Good. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're the most like Life is Strange. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so again, like I, there were so many toss-ups this year for me, uh, and this is is yet another one, um, and that is between uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider and and Just Cause Three, uh, which really they're they're completely different games uh, because one is an exercise in like the minute details, uh, you know, with, with Tomb Raider, you're you know, you're never in like huge environments, and so everything is very like lovingly detailed. And with Just Cause, it's the exact opposite. You're in this mammoth of a map that's just absolutely massive, um, but yet the the detail even down on the ground is it's still incredibly high for the the type of game that it is. Um, and it. There's part of me that just wants to vote for both of them because they're, you know, different versions of the same kind of technical graphics. One is one is large scale and one is small scale. Um, and, you know, in some ways, like Lara Croft's hair should should just win on its own because it's that that Tresemme shampoo stuff is it's fantastic, apparently. Yeah, I need to but, get some um, of that hair product. Yeah. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, through freezing water and, yeah. and mud and all kinds of stuff, it's always just gorgeous and shiny. She never has to brush it. It's amazing. Um, but then at the same time, like, the explosions in Just Cause 3 are kind of award-winning in and of themselves because just the thickness of the black smoke that, that plumes up and the the way the fire erupts and the, the fire in Just Cause... Or not Just Cause, in... Um, in Rise of the Tomb Raider is actually really good. It's probably some of the best fire that I've seen in a video game. And w when it comes down to it, though, there's nothing quite like soaring over Medici with a wingsuit. Like it that does looks, seem pretty cool. It looks so good. Yeah. Um. It's uh, it, from the from the weather effects of the the rain and the, the clouds that you can be soaring through to the to the snow, and the the fact that I mean this this world is massive, but yet there are giant fields of sunflowers and all of them are three D, and when you drive through them they all get run over, and it's it's so even to be so big it's so lovingly detailed. It's it's really amazing, and then to throw on top of that just the fact that the explosions and everything look so good, and the the fact that you know yes the the load screens to kind of get into the game and the load screens between missions are can be you know average to egregious. Uh, the fact that once you load into the game, unless you're 
um, kind of loading a specific mission or challenge, uh, just free roaming going through the world, there's no load screens. There's uh, even on the consoles, the the way that it handles kind of pop-up is incredibly good. I was actually really surprised at how well it handled kind of the stuff appearing way far in the distance and, and the detail kind of, you know, becoming apparent in it. It's, it's so good. It's, it's great. Um, but that didn't win. That didn't win. So I was, I'm a little sad about that. But not too bad. Well, and that that might be a piece of that game coming out a week and a half ago. That's true. That's <laughs> a true. week ago. That, that's why I always vote to, to cut December out. But you know, that I'll I'll suggest that again next year. Good luck. Good luck. With that one. Good luck. Um. So our our number three runner up for best technical graphics is a, is a three way tie between Star Wars Battlefront, Until Dawn, and Batman Arkham Knight. Batman was a pretty game. It is a pretty yeah, game. That is true. For sure. Absolutely. Surpri- I'm a little surprised to see until dawn, but then again, I they make you know the they've got the avatars in that game looking like they're actors, so I can I can see that. Sure, sure. Um, the the uh, number two runner up for best uh, technical graphics in 2015 is Rise of the Tomb Raider. All right. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we are just the wrong part of the uh, wrong part of the website oh, to be talking oh, about this. Oh, two mentions. Best, best technical graphics of 2015 is Metal Gear Solid Five: wow. The Phantom Pain. Well, really? Twice. Yep. Wait, did you mention? Was The Witcher Three not on any list? Uh, for technical graphics, no. It, I, I I mentioned it. I put it on there. Yeah, um, no, no, no. I know you mentioned it. it oh didn't yeah, get, it didn't. Wow. It got, it got one that, vote for technical I graphics. I thought that might win, be, yeah, just I because too. that world is. I mean, that was another game I was thinking about, just because it's a huge world that's gorgeous. I mean, they, it is, it yeah. is. It, Brian actually voted for for The Witcher Three. Wow. He's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm really surprised at because I mean, The Witcher Three is is great looking. Like I can't knock its visuals at all. Um, and I mean, this is actually as much as this has been a year that didn't have a whole lot of great music. There have been so many pretty games. Mm-hmm. I mean, Star Wars, Batman, The Witcher Three, Metal Gear Solid, um, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Just Cause. And in a lot of ways, like any of those could win, and I would be fine with it because yeah. they're all so good looking. It's yeah. it's kind of staggering in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it it did not track here. Wow. So, all right, and our, our final artistic category is best artistic graphics. Joel. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so this is one where I'm not going to repeat myself. Uh, this is for me the most uh, the best artistic uh, graphics of this year was Yoshi's Woolly World. Um, I do not think that's a great game. Uh, in mm. fact, I think it's an okay game but there is nothing better looking uh from an artistic standpoint than what they've done with both uh kirby and now yoshi uh in woolly's world that game is adorable it is uh just i don't i don't even know how to it's like a storybook come to life it is Mm -hmm. amazing i want to buy i don't have any amiibos but if i was to buy an amiibo it would be yoshi yeah woolly world amiibo uh 
because that thing, I have seen it in real life, and it looks identical in the game, and it is just the coolest artistic style that Nintendo's come up with. Uh, I think Mario, uh, a Mario Woolly World would be fantastic, Ooh, uh, or yeah. Zelda, or anything. Uh, any any franchise from Nintendo could go Woolly, and uh, it'd probably win that year's artistic <laughs> graphics for me. Uh, it's it's great. It's a great style. Just it like is. I love the UbiArt engine, um, I love what they did with it, with the OG's Woolly World, and that's actually probably why I kept with it as long as I did, just because I loved the visual style of it. So, yeah, for me, it's the OG's Woolly World. Not not even close. Nice. Let's hear it. Life is strange. What? <laughs> I know. So uh, I actually, I do want to hear you defend this one. But, yeah, I actually um, do. Of, yeah. of all the times that you have said it, I have totally understood it. But this one, yeah, I'm not yeah, so on board. This is where I think the game actually falls a little. It's bit. probably the weakest part of the game. You know, I think for me, um, what and, and this specifically, I, I chose it for art, artistic because technically speaking yeah it, it's it couldn't it couldn't hold up uh, against these other games and and you know what maybe it probably doesn't hold up uh, to some people probably doesn't hold up for best artistic but what life is strange has and maybe this is just how I was seeing it maybe my glasses were bad that day or whatnot but um, there's a sort of like one of the things that I like, about um, this is uh, diverting the discussion a little bit, but one of the things that I really liked about <clears throat> the uh, Clone Wars cartoon, the the not the Genny Tartakovsky Tartakovsky one, but like the CG one, is they kind of went with a style that made everything look painted. And if you look really close, you can actually see that the textures of the characters are brush strokes. Um, the thing with Life is Strange is I kind of got that same sort of, like, not watercolor, but just sort of, like, kind of painted over look um, that mixes quite well with the sort of, it's almost also has a sort of foggy kind of look to it. Not, it's not severe, and in fact, most of the game is it's, it's pretty clear, but there's just, there's just, in some places, um, there's a really nice kind of cloudy filter that adds a, a significant and important level of kind of surrealism to the whole kind of look at like like dreamy dreamy surrealism and sure. one that I think works well in a world now that you know Max has this ability to to travel in time and from what we see you know has created a I mean this is no secret since you kind of infer it from the from the first episode when you see Chloe and and, and Nathan in the bathroom that effectively what was supposed to happen is that we see Chloe get shot by Nathan. However, whatever happens, whatever catalyst occurs, um Max is able to rewind time and prevent that. So she has effectively created a parallel kind of world mm -hmm. and everything that kind of comes out from that may, there's always some sort of visual cue that this is not right. It's not normal. Mm -hmm. uh, you see that a lot with the um, 
the effect of the film burning away if you if you rewind too far. Um, there's a couple right. uh, uh, when Max has the ability to travel through a picture and go back in time that way. Um, the events that are changed from her, you know, meddling. You know, they have a nice kind of like burning away sort of look to it, but. There's just there's just this sort of like layer, this artistic layer of Life is Strange that just again kind of out of all the things that go on in that world, the double moon, you know, the beached whales, all just the weird shit going on, there's there's just something kind of like on the surface. It's like a little bit of an oil slick on top of the surface of water that just kind of gives it that sort of you know, this world is is unnaturally idyllic. You know, it's pretty it's too pretty. This is like something I've seen in a dream, you know. And based on that, you know, again, and it's not, it's not, um, in, in a lot of ways, it's subtle. Um, there's a lot of points where it just, you, you kind of don't see it, but it's just, it's just feels like it's just kind of there that just kind of pops its head out once in a while. Uh, and some, and especially in some of the more kind of bigger moments of it, um, and again, like you, you also get that sort of look where, like the, the just, like you know, there's some light bloom, there's some scratching of, you know, just the film, just the sort of really neat kind of look to it that just kind of is the good layer um, on top of just something is not right, you know, all these things are not right, and just I think the visuals kind of really enhance that, hmm. yeah. So okay. I, I can see that. Yeah, I, I can too. I don't agree with you on everything. I think. <laughs> so I think I, I I think the one thing that you said that I, I do agree with though is that it, it does try to paint this very idyllic world, and I think yeah. they there is a there's a lightness to the the color palette that they use in Life is Strange that really does resonate. I think if they went further with that with their second season of Life is Strange, which I believe they've said they're thinking of doing. Yeah, there was a discussion on that, yeah. I hope they don't actually do it, but if they did do it... Um, I'm okay with a, a second Life is Strange. I don't want it to have anything to do with this yes. one. Sure. Yeah. Like, even, like, I don't want it to be part of the same universe. I don't want the same rules of time travel. Like, take the same kind of way that they looked at, you know, a kid in high school college and and apply it to something else yeah you know agreed. like like the the new season of serial versus the last right. one yeah there's like almost no it, yeah. it's just it's just the same style of investigative reporting and the same yep. kind of presentation of it but a completely different subject completely different characters i i don't want to play as you know max again yeah. or no, as as that. clementine or or anything yeah which that would be kind of weird if Clementine showed up. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if they take that style. Lee! Yeah, exactly. If they take that style and push it even further to even more of like a paintbrush approach, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would look great. I just didn't think Life is Strange stood out in terms of its graphics, artistically or tech. Okay. But I would say the other 99% of that game is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Life is Strange, Like I feel like the graphics in a lot of ways are the, the weakest part of it. Um, and not not in that they're bad. It's just the rest of the game is so strong that the graphic is kind of the weakest part. And it it kind of goes after a similar style of, of graphics as to what the Telltale games have done. Um, obviously, it's a lot more stable, and I think it, it overall looks a lot better than the Telltale games. 
um, because it's, it's not their janky ass engine that they've been running with for years now. But um, I I think it looks I think it looks good, but at the same time, to me, there was nothing in the graphics that particularly stood out. Uh, there were I mean there were a couple of moments that were quite picturesque and beautiful. Um, it, it's one of those games I I took several screenshots of in Steam because it it looked you know really really good. Uh, but overall, there wasn't anything that really kind of jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my pick for best artistic graphics um, is is really the only one that matters here, and that's Ori in the Blind Forest. <laughs> that's um, it, it, I don't have much to say about that except that it, I mean it it really is like 2015's Rayman like it it looks great um you know we every time a game comes out that looks like a cartoon we say oh it it finally actually looks like you're watching a cartoon and this is another game in that that vein of yeah it it totally looks like a cartoon and it's great and lovely and wonderful so you should you should play it because uh, yes, it looks it good. Is. It's a great looking game. It's it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, so that that was my pick there um, for uh, best artistic graphics. Uh, the third runner up is actually Broken Age, which yeah. finally was completely yep. released this year. Right. Um, so I it looks really good. That's one of those games that I didn't get around to playing, but uh, I mean. I can see why somebody would vote for it because it, it has a really strong art style. Mm-hmm. Um, our runner-up for best visuals is actually Ori in the Blind Forest. So somebody voted incorrectly. Um, <laughs> and I have all the names, so I can find it. But, you know. Um, but our, our winner for best artistic graphics is Yoshi's Woolly World. Which, if anything's going to beat Ori in the Blind Forest, that's really the only thing that I'm remotely okay with, but still yeah. not completely. Very so, yeah. Cool. That, Congrats. that does it for our artistic categories, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. Come back for part, what, three, as we start into our overall awards of things like most surprising... Um, game and stuff like that. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Hope to see you there. And uh, yeah, have a good night. See ya. Night. <laughs>